Mommy. Please hang up and try your call again. If you'd like assistance, please dial zero, and a TELUS operator will be happy to help you. Hey, Nardwar, I think Tommy's on his cell phone and the battery died. Um, so let me see if I could get him on the phone. Okay, call me back. Thanks. Bye. still listening to CITR Radio, FM 102, Cable 102, Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, and the Nardwar to Human Serviette Radio Show, 20th Anniversary 20-Hour Edition. You just heard Tommy Lee from March 17th, 2000. Coming up, an interview with Beck Hansen. Again, if you have any questions... Requests, comments, etc. Nardwar at nardwar.com or 604-822-2487. That's 604-UBC-CITR. We also will be joined by John Savage, punk rock legend, calling in from England at about 1 p.m. tomorrow, Friday or Today, Friday at 1 p.m. Right now, here's an interview with Beck Hansen from June the 10th. Actually, we have a caller. Hello. Hello, caller. Are you there? I am here. Let me turn my radio nerd. Oh, you don't even have to do... Well, you're you're a pro. (laughs) (laughs) How's it going? This is uh, Kevin Keating. Uh, X of Crevice. How you doing, Kevin? Hippies, Delta 88. I'm doing great, Nardwar. Any, any, any requests during this Nardwar to Human Serviette 20-hour, 20 20-year 20 interview marathon? Well, I've only just tuned in in the last hour, so I heard, uh, I don't know who that author was, you and... Uh, Harlan Ellison. That was a very, I, I enjoyed that immensely, Nardwar. Uh, Tommy Lee, for the most part, as well. Gave me some chuckles, shall we say. 
I want to hear, though, I, I believe it's Courtney Love from, I'm not sure, early 90s, maybe the first tour when they played at the Cruel Lee, and she was really rude to you. Yes. Have you played it? I have not played that, and I do have a clip of that one, actually, <laughs> that I can actually, I can get the, I can, I can give that to you. I can give that to you right now. We can preempt back if you would like. Well, it's your show, and so far I'm digging it. Also, anything to do with Tank, Hogslow, Ogre, you know. Okay, well, I do have an ogre interview from way, way, way back, but we do have the Courtney Love thing that we can get to. Well, I have a tiny little clip of that Courtney Love interview okay, that we right. can get to. I, I turned it... up my radio a bit, so I'm actually on the radio. Yes, you are, Kevin. <laughs> and you are listening, you. and you are listening to the Nardware to Human Serviette 20-year, 20-hour interview marathon ending at 5 p.m. today. And then a couple hours later, there'll be a free gig at the Sub Ballroom to reward all you people for listening. A few people have indicated that they're not used to perhaps listening to the Nardware to Human Serviette radio show in this time slot. Well, your reward is a free gig tomorrow at the Sub Ballroom or today at the Sub Ballroom with the transmitters, the pack, Kid Cordina, a free gig at the Sub Ballroom. But for you, Kevin, we have Courtney Love, and then we will follow that Courtney Love interview up with Beck Hansen. And the Courtney Love interview is from 1993. So this is this a little snippet of the Courtney Love interview, but we do have, we will deliver that for you, Kevin. Start work, peace out. And do do the loot do 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 Courtney. Hi, it's me, Nardwar. I told him to get you out of here. You're not allowed to. I was just going to say hi to you. But you're not allowed back here, Nardwar. But I just want to say hi to you. I brought, I brought my camera, too. I, fucking, I hate your fucking guts. You're such a pig. Oh, thank Why? Again? Well, thanks, sir. You're not going to punch me yet. No, why? Why? I can't. I'd be sued. What exactly is... I don't understand what was wrong with that Vanity Fair thing. That guy. Go get the guy from the ups, the promoter guy to get rid of Nardwar. What, what exactly... Courtney. Quick, Kristen. Go do it quick because you know what? I'm going to beat the fuck out of him really soon. Courtney, can I get an interview with you? No, I hate your guts, Nardwar. You're such an idiot. Why would I give you an interview? You're an idiot. Why would I give you a fucking interview? Okay, get what? This Courtney Love of Hole. Yeah, You've already broken your promise to me. I know. Nardwar. This is a bad sign. Courtney, can I, will you sign... Will you at least sign... First person I'd see. Okay. I was like, the whole way up here, I'm like, Nardwar, Nardwar, I can't wait to see that you got official permission for this? Uh, what, what, you have a laminate. I, I just I have a laminate. I, what, I got a laminate. Where is it? It's somewhere in my somewhere in my. What I want to show you? Well, am I allow one final request, Courtney? Like one phone call when you get arrested? <laughs> do 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 do. What do you want? Do 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 do. Fuck you. <laughs> Who are you? Uh. You are back, right? Uh, who are you? I'm Nardwari Human Serviette. Okay. And you're back live on the Nardwari Human Serviette show. And Beck, where are you phoning from right now? Because earlier you said your manager said you were sleeping. Um, I'm in San Francisco. Right now. Yes. Um, your your management actually thought you were in Nevada. They thought I was in Nevada. In Nevada. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, I was. And now you're back in San Francisco. Now I'm in San Francisco. 
Your manager has a 1-800 number. That seems interesting. Yeah, I don't, I don't know about that. That's pretty crazy, eh? Like having a manager having a 1-800 number. Yeah, that's crazy. What exactly, Beck, did Woody Guthrie do? He, um, he sort of wandered around and watched how people were taking out their garbage and where they were putting it, and uh, he would bang on his guitar and uh, make people look backwards. And, and uh, Why was he so great? Why do you really like him? Because I don't really know much about him. Like, what's so great about him? Well, he was, um, he was, he was bringing out some honest, you know, human, natural, um, communication, you know, and, and, and a time where a lot of that kind of stuff was suppressed. Was he a one-man band, sort of? Uh, yeah, but he played with other people. He played in bluegrass bands, and he played in, you know, he played in different folk combinations and combos and all sorts of stuff. What about Hazel Atkins? Hazel Atkins is, uh, he's the guy with the hot dog song. Yeah, and he's the guy that has this voice. Here's a bit of Hazel Atkins uh, for uh, you. Uh, 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 now, he seems to be the ultimate performer. He has that total pussy galore sound, doesn't he? Isn't he yeah. better than Woody Guthrie? Um, well, he's different, you know. Hassel Atkins is, a, is a, you know, a genius in his own way, you know. Uh, you know, Woody Guthrie was more... Uh, for the people, he, he had a, a socialist agenda. I think Hassel is, is more into, you know, flinging pianos into into, uh, into swamps and stuff like that. Have you ever seen him before? Did you hear his live album on Pravda or Norton Records at all? Yeah, I've, I've heard his stuff. Actually, a good friend of mine made a documentary about him and uh, showed me all this footage. And there's uh, an amazing scene where he's playing in this honky-tonk. Um, this is this was made about a year or two ago, and he's an older man now, and he's playing, and he does this one-man band thing. He plays the drums with his feet and harmonica, and he's playing the guitar, and, and um, he he lets the he lets a girl sit next to him on stage, and uh, in the middle of the set, a big brawl breaks out between all these women over who's going to get to sit on stage, and they uh, they're all grabbing each other by the hair and. Um, it's really, it's, I don't know, it's kind of strange, and he's just looking on, playing his music. That was a Hazel Atkins movie, and it was made, is that guy who made the movie from Olympia? Yes. Did he make well, some... No, no, he went to school in Olympia. Did he make, yeah. just like that whole song, he went to school in Olympia? Yeah. Um, actually, his name is Hassel Atkins, it's not Hazel. Oh, well, in Canada, we like calling him Hazel. Hazel. Did your friend yeah. actually make a beat happening video, too? What's that? Did your friend once make a beat yeah, happening... Yeah, he sure did. Yeah. What's his name? And can people get a hold of that movie? Which, the Hassel Atkins one? Yeah. I have no idea. I don't know if they can get a hold of it. And your I don't think it was released. And your friend's name, Beck? Who is that? What's that? Who's your friend's name that made the movie? Oh, his name is Julian. So, Beck, I do you get booed much? Um, I don't, I don't think so. 
I mean, are people expecting your type of show when you get on stage? Since the media sort of portrays you as the born-to-be-weird type, as Impact Magazine did in their May 1994 edition. So, like, when people arrive at the gigs, are they ready for something weird, or can you actually surprise them? Um, I think, I think it's a little of both, you know. There's, like, each person in the audience has their own expectations and all that stuff. So, uh, you know, it's different. But don't you ever feel like when you get up on stage and you finish and maybe you don't play your big hit, Lou, Lou, Loser, and maybe you don't play the Loser hit, everybody in the audience loves it because you don't play it because you're rebelling? Like the record execs are just, oh, I just love that guy back. He's just so wacky. He won't play his hits when people want it. Doesn't that make you feel weird? Um, wow. I mean, I don't, I don't even know what to say. You know, that was, can you say that again? You, no, I'm... Like, you, got, you got, like, some kind of a, like fire in your groin or something. No, no, I'm just, I'm just curious, Beck, because, like, you get on stage, you know, and a lot of time, the industry execs that probably signed you, signed you, you know, because you're wild, you're wacky, you're way out there, uh -huh. so when you get up off stage after, you know, performing, say, like, on Top of the Pops or being on MTV with Thurston acting really wacky, you can get off stage, uh -huh. and instead of, like, the industry execs going, man, that guy made a fool of us, they're like, all right, that wacky Beck guy, we can use uh -huh. this in marketing them in a sense that they can market you just like they market for videos, um, MCA Records put out a video of you to your outtakes from the MTV doing station IDs. Like a lot of artists, if you had outtakes of, um, you know, Alice Cooper or something do it, he'd be ashamed of it, but they're not afraid to show your mistakes. They sort of love it when you're wild. How does it make you feel? Does it want to make you go normal? Yeah, sometimes I'll, I'll bust out the, uh, the old hymnal and uh, play a few organ songs, Near My God to Thee, and a few other classics, Rock Me Amadeus, and, um, you know, sometimes the, the wackiness um, um, just sort of implodes on itself and uh, you end up doing a few John Denver covers by accident. Have you ever listened to early They Might Be Giants at all? No, I don't, I don't really, I'm not into that stuff. Because They Might Be Giants had the initials TMBG, which is like four letters, and uh -huh. the band Ween has four letters, and so does the name Beck Beck. Is there any right. correlation there? Like, don't you think Ween ripped off They Might Be Giants and you might have ripped off Ween or you were in the same company as them? You all have four letters. Yeah, it's probably like, a, it's like some kind of um, um, spiritually bankrupt circle jerk or something. I don't know. Have you ever heard of Senior Amour and the Molotov Cocktail Hour at all? Yeah, sure. I, he, he was over at my house last week, as a matter of fact. He, he does a show on KXLU? KXLU, right. And what type of show is it? It's sort of like a lounge show? Yeah, he just plays, you know, all the, um, all that wayward, faraway, tropicalismo, you know, lounge, Martin Denny, Exotica. And he hangs out with Joey Cheesy as well. Yeah, yeah. Who's known for his great hits, Whole Lot of Love Boat and Sweet Child of Mine. Right. A friend of mine dropped by KLXU and saw a letter you had written to the station. And it right. seemed to be that, like, you were upset the station wasn't playing you because they said they're not going to play you because you're getting played on K-Rock, which is, I guess, the big commercial station. Right. Explain that letter. Well, you know, I've been, I've been playing on KXLU for years. I play all their fundraisers. I've been listening to the station since I was 14. And, you know, and, and it's the only... I, the, the music they play is, you know, it's the music I, I'm into. And, you know, I've, I don't know, I've just supported the station for years. And I've been a, it's been a part of, you know, my music and everything. And, uh, 
you know, it's like, I mean, you don't want to bag on any other stations, but it's not like I, you know, it's like those other, you know, they, they played that on their own. I never asked them so to KX play it. So I sort of felt like I was in a weird position where, you know, K KXLU was the first station to ever play Loser. So it's, you know, in some ways it's just as much their fault as is mine, because I sure didn't, you know. So th they didn't want to play it after you got played on K-Rock? I guess not. I don't know. They banned you in some sense, or now they're yeah, but that they they took that you know they took that down. They're they're playing it now. So in the United States of America, how much airplay did um your loser song or the twelve inch get before? I have no idea. You know, I don't really listen to the radio except for like you know KXLU or Jazz Station or you know I don't really know. Well, I mean, how many college stations were aware of you before your DGC days Probably not erupted? Not that many, because we we only put out. Loser locally, you know, around in LA. You were locally. We only made 400 copies of it. We didn't get a chance to even put it out, you know. So you were a local phenomenon, like Dick Dale was in the 60s then, and you just exploded. Yeah, or. or or imploded, I don't know. Because in Canada, you know, it's sort of the opposite. Because your label, your record label, DGC Records, and um, do you know any Canadian bands on DGC at all? Or Geffen? Canadian bands, I don't know. From Halifax? That band, your label mates? Beck? <laughs> no, I don't know. Schloan? That band Schloan? There's, no, a, there's, there's some band called Schloan. They're from Canada on DGC. Well, in Canada, it's sort of the opposite. Your label is trying to push you from commercial radio, which you're getting played at now, to campus stations, because we never heard of you before here in Canada right. on college radio. How does that make you feel, and how are you dealing with that? Because that's pretty weird. Like, you know, like, people, DJs in, in college radio in Canada are getting, like, Beck pushed on them, and they never knew Beck before, so it's sort of weird. It's sort of like, they're, and you started totally on campus radio, but in Canada, you started on commercial, and they're trying to know... Yeah. Go campus that's really weird well you know it's it's like that's it's a weird thing you know it's like like you're going I backwards get, i didn't get the chance to put out anything you know i mean k records was going to put my record out like four, three years ago no two years ago you know but nobody ever got around to it and then stuff just happened too fast but k records you is going to put something out coming up aren't they yeah, they're putting out, it comes out next week. And you're going to be playing that Yo-Yo A-Go-Go rock fest up in yeah, Olympia? sure am. Because um, commercial radio in Canada, I think people adore you on commercial radio and TV uh, in Canada, and the nation's music station, Much Music, where they all enjoyed you on the wedge, Beckham. They seem to really love you, Mr. Beck Hansen. They seem to really love your, Hansen is your last name, Beck? Yes. They seem to love your hair, number one. Uh, they seem, they, do, do, do you like your hair? I don't give a shit about my hair, you know. It has a nice part down the middle, though. I have no, I, you know, I don't, I don't care. It's hot, though. Um, and the second reason people like you is the people say, why don't you kill me in your song? People just love to sing, why don't you kill me in a song? They love that catchphrase in commercial radio. And the third thing is, you have a coffin and a squeegee on fire in your video. Those are the top three reasons for people on commercial radio loving you in Canada. Those are pretty foul reasons, I guess. And now they're trying to push you to a campus radio in Canada, which is quite interesting. Yeah, well... Come on, Beck, speak up. You're the voice of a generation. <laughs> speak up! Beck! Okay, Amadeus. I, you know, I don't, you know, what the fuck? So, um, Beck, you're coming to Vancouver on July 2nd, I think to the Howden Ballroom. Who is the Prime Minister of Canada, Beck? How is the Prime Minister of Canada? Who is the Prime Minister oh, of Canada? Who? 
I don't know. Um, should you be allowed to play this concert if you don't know who the Prime Minister of Canada would be? Probably not. should all ban me. Um, I shouldn't even be allowed to breathe. His name is John Kretsch. John Kretsch. Can you name any Canadian Prime Ministers at all? Beth, can you name any Canadian Prime Ministers? Do you have any Canadian friends? No. Not any? I have no friends. No, no Canadian friends? I have no friends at all. Oh, Beck, why should people That's care? You. Why should people... You're my only friend. Me? Not where the humans serve yet. Thank you, Beck. Why should people care about you? I have no idea. You know, I... <laughs> Beck, speak up, voice of a generation. Speak up. Why should people care about you? It certainly isn't. I have no reason. Well, ho hopefully they're not, according to you caring about your hair, um, your song, Why Don't You Kill Me, and a cough from oh, the squeegee in your radio. You just, you know, just fuck off. still listening to CITR Radio, FM 102, Cable 102, the Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, Nardwarta Human Serviette 20-hour, 20 20-year 20 interview marathon. And you heard Beck from June 10th, 1994. And right after Beck, we played some Hazel, Hazel Atkins. Right now, here's an interview with Tommy Chong.
Can you do a station ID for our radio station, you I think, Tommy you. Chong? I love you, man. It's, it's CITR FM 101.9. 9. Yeah, be wild, creative. <laughs> this is Dork Radio. <laughs> Remember Dork Radio? Did you ever hear Dork Radio? It's off one of our records. It's the college station, D-O-R-K. Okay. Hey, man, this is Tommy Chong, and I listen to C-T-R. I'm sorry. Hey, this is Tommy Chong, and I listen to C-I-T-R Radio. FM 109, uh, it's college radio, so I really get stoned first, then I listen to it. All right! Thanks very much. Keep on rocking in the free world. Yeah, hey, play a record I know, man. Um, uh, so, so, Tommy, you, um, whatever happened, how did you end up playing on a Joni Mitchell record? Oh, right. Yeah, well, she... She, uh, her and Cheech had an affair one time, man. She liked Mexicans. <laughs> so they were, they were, they were a number then, I guess, yeah. She actually liked tacos a lot. So she asked us if, uh, if we'd be on her record. And she was, uh, we were on, she was on one of ours. And so we returned the favor. Have you ever heard of McLean and McLean before? Canadian com com comedians? McLean magazines? McLean and McLean. They're a Canadian comediomic team or whatever. They had Burton Cummings sung for them once. I was just wondering if you knew why he did, but I guess you've never heard of them. <laughs> I, I think I have heard of them, as a matter of fact. They're Canadians, aren't they? Yeah, old school Canadians, like yourself. <laughs> from where, West Van? No, I think they're from back east. Oh, yeah, where? Like, like uh, where, Vegreville? No, I think um, it might it might be a Halifax or something like that. Halifax, well, that's Becky's day. Hey, who was Abe Stenenko? Like, he's a real guy, isn't he? Abe Stenenko's a cop from Vancouver that tried to bust every hippie in town until uh, I put him in the movies and got his ass transferred to uh, Turkey. <laughs> so, and do you know where he is now? He's still in Turkey? Probably. I don't know where Abe is now. I hope he's in Turkey. He's probably being, the, you know, the other end of that Midnight Express, you know, being raped by some prison guard and liking it, knowing Stadenko. Didn't you, um, like, what was that band that, that you were, yeah, you know, like, you know, like, really, was it Four Ends and now, what's this, I don't get it, I don't get it, I don't get it. I had a band once, we call ourselves Four Niggers and a Chink. And then you change it to four ends in a C and then four of uh, three colored fellows in Oriental Lab. Well, we, we, every week we change the sign. It was start out with four niggers in a chink and then went to four colored guys in a Chinese lad. And then it ended up four ends in a C. And, and you, you, you like played cool places like Oil Can Harry's. Yeah, worked Oil Can Harry's. Well, Danny Basita, you know the owner? Or the ex-owner, he's in, uh, he's a dealer now down in L.A. Do you really love drugs? Yeah, I really do. You really do? Yeah, I, I gotta admit it. I do. I think drugs are what's happening, and I advise everybody to do them, especially young kids. <laughs> is, there, is there any drugs you haven't done that, that you won't do, but you sort of want to? Okay, cigarettes. I won't do cigarettes, because nicotine will kill you. And I don't really drink a lot of booze, you know. Alcohol kill you. 
but I smoke all the pot I can find. I don't smoke it all at once, I just do a little bit at a time, you know. And I, um, I, I used to take acid, but I quit around 1971. How about ecstasy? Like, there's a lot of new ravers that are into ecstasy and stuff. Are you into that? I've done ecstasy, and uh, it was great. You know, remember John Lurie from Stranger Than Paradise, an actor? Yes, it sounds vaguely familiar. Yeah, him and I did ecstasy together. We had a very nice time. We sort of chatted all night. And, well, some strange man necked with his girlfriend in the room, in, a, in another room for about four hours. And she came out of the room, she was on ecstasy too. And she did, she thought it was John. <laughs> she was necking with a stranger and she thought it was her boyfriend. Are you a Canadian <laughs> still? Yeah. Well, I don't know. I might have lost my citizenship, but uh, I don't think you can lose your citizenship. So, yeah, I made it in L.A., so sometimes, they, you know, we get disbarred from Canada. But you were born in Canada. Born in Edmonton, eh? University Hospital. Right here? Right here in Edmonton. What year? 1938. May, May 24, 1938. In fact, my mother said there was firecrackers going off. They had a big celebration. And, and you got on a rock and roll tip right off the bat? I was about 16 when I found out that music could get you laid. So I got into music, boy. Didn't matter what you look like either. You know, you'd be a geeky looking guy, but if you played music, whoa, you get the girls. What do you, that band Four Ends in the Sea. Now, did you also join Bobby Taylor in the Vancouver's? I was the original guy that started that group. Bobby Taylor, I was, I started out with a group called The Shades in, Cal, we were in Calgary. The first group. Not I, The Shades of Blonde, was it? No. Featuring Mel Shaw, 49th Parallel, 60s Garage Punk, Danny Lowe, Q Sound, Madonna? No, but they probably got the name from us if you say Mel Shaw. Is Mel Shaw, Mel Shaw Jr. or the guy that discovered the Stampeders? Mel Shaw, the guy who discovered the Stampeders. Okay, well, see, we he was a groupie uh, hanging around when we were... Our first band was, was called The Shades. because there was an Indian, American, or a Canadian Indian, uh, black guy named Tommy Melton, Indian named Dick Bird, and myself, it's half Chinese, we call ourselves the Shades because we're all different colors. And we used to do a stage show. Then we added uh, Eric Murray on drums and uh, Pete Watson sax and my brother on bass. And then we called ourselves the Shades. And we played Calgary and Edmonton from 1955, 56 to 58 when we were asked to leave by the mayor. We went to Calgary, then we became the uh, Little Daddy and the Bachelors. Pause, yeah, what's up? Well, I just want a picture, man. Okay. We were taking a picture. We were like pals in school. Yeah. We did time in uh, detox. Detox together. (laughs) The Betty Ford Clinic. (laughs) Thank you. And then I went to Canada, and then I uh, discovered oil, and I... Little Daddy and the Bachelors, did the Shades ever record anything? The Shades never recorded anything. Little Daddy and the Bachelors recorded uh, a couple of records, yeah. We won a contest at the Teen Fair in Vancouver, and the recording, the first prize was a uh, recording contract, <laughs> and we recorded in a radio station on the stairway, and we did a record, and it got put... That's on. Walk on the Wild Side, right? 
No, the record was... Uh... It's about a Night Train Review, maybe. There's a, that's another band. It's on that History of Vancouver Rock and Roll Volume 2. It's been reissued, which you probably don't see any money from. But you probably don't need the money, right? Well, no, I always need the money, but I don't see it. Yeah, we're on it. It's called... Um... Junior's Jerk. Junior's Jerk has the great reverb in it, doesn't it? Like it's instrumental? Yeah, yeah, that was mine. That was, I did that. And, um... Ever heard of Wes Dacus? Because he was from Edmonton. Wes, Wes Dacus. Uh, or Dacus. Dacus. We played um, Battle of the Bands with Wes. Uh, when the Shades came up. And it was Wes Dacus and the Rebels, was it? Yeah. Yeah, he little, wear a little suit and play bass. Because they ended up recording with um, Norman Petty in Clovis, New Mexico, with Buddy Holly's, these guys who did Buddy Holly. Yeah. I don't doubt it, man. They were good. Bobby Cairns played guitar. He's a hell of a guitar player in Edmonton here. Edmonton always had the better musicians, but we had better looking guys in Calgary. What happened? Um, did you? What happened? Like Bobby Taylor, Vancouver's. Like it's in, you started that group. It was the first Canadian group, or the first non-black group to be signed to Motown. That's pretty wild. Yeah, we had a number one record. Yeah, we we. Oh, there's a lot of history there. We discovered the Jackson Five. They were the opening for us one place, and uh, that was Bobby Taylor who discovered. Or you you helped. Well, we were there. We were all there at the same time. We we're, we're playing a. Chidlin gig, you know, Chidlin circuit, all the black clubs, and uh, we played um, the Regal Theater in Chicago, and the Jackson Five were opening for us, and so we took him to the, uh, Detroit and had, had him signed on with Motown. Was it hard to get signed to Motown? I mean, being a Vancouver band. Well, I had an after-hours club in Vancouver, and when this, when any of the Motown acts had called, it was called the Elegant Parlor. Whenever the Motown acts would play in Vancouver, they all came down to my club because it was like a black after-hours booze bar, you know. It was hip, and we played music. That's when the Vancouver's we played there, and so the Supremes actually discovered us first. They're partying one night, and they told Barry. Barry Gordy flew in to Vancouver, seen us, signed us, and, and we went to uh, Detroit. Going to Detroit. What year was that? 1967. Because around that same time, um, uh, do you, have you ever smoked anything with Neil Young before, Tommy? Tommy. I've never met Tommy. I, I never. Tommy. Ch I never met Tommy. Ch never met Neil Young. I just seen him in a movie where he had a big coke booger in his nose. That's the only time. And I they airbrushed it out. No, they left it in. No, the last waltz. They airbrushed it out. Not in the version I saw. Big, huge coke booger. Because he had, a, he was playing with Rick James at the time, and they recorded an album for Motown. It was never released. I met Rick James later, and I met George Clinton later. The only Motown people I knew were the Temptations, Smokey, Stevie. Um, How about any of the King artists like Brown? Did you ever party with James Brown? Well, James, it's, it's weird. James, uh, their band used to come to the parlor and sit in with us. It was really band of JBs? James Brown's, you know, that great R&B band, the drummer. Uh, Bobby Bird or whatever. No, no. Yeah. Let's see. Some famous, famous guy. Oh, Fred Wesley? Maceo Parker? Maceo. No, Maceo played sax, didn't he? Yeah, he did. Trombone yeah. or trumpet. Yeah. Well, they used to sit in. One night, 
we, we uh, this other promoter had a club upstairs. He was trying to go psychedelic, and this is at the height of the, the Motown era. And he booked all these groups that le later went on to become mega superstars, like uh, Janis Joplin and uh, the Rolling Stones. And he had this club upstairs, and he and he couldn't make any money with it. It's called the Retinal Circus. And he used to book, and my, my club was right below that, in the basement. And our club would be packed, and theirs, his would be empty with the stones, with the rolling stones. They never drew anybody. It was amazing. So this uh, one night, uh, all the James Brown's band was playing on stage, and we're up there jamming. And I look in the back, and I could see Mick Jagger and Keith Richards trying to get in the club, and they couldn't get in because it was too crowded. Because James Brown, what do you think his drug of preference is? Because he was known to do angel dust. <laughs> well, James went through a bisexual period that was real funny. Remember that song, Please, Please, Please? Well, James had a gay lover at the time. And he'd be on his knees. If you look at some film, you see him on his knees, and this guy would run out and throw a, a fur coat over him and pick him up and carry him off the stage. Remember that? And then James would break loose and come running back and, please, please, and he'd sing some more. And then this, this guy would, well, the guy that would run home and grab him, that was his, James's lover. So James was very heavy bisexual for the longest time. And then he changed, you know, I don't know what happened, but. He ended up opening, he was trying to open a bunch of burger restaurants in the ghettos. Did you hear about that? What was that about? Uh, James, man, he was, he's, you know, he's from the South. You know, and he was like a down-home brother, you know. Not too many smarts, like the rest of them, you know, like the rest of us. Anybody in rock and roll, you know, we just knew one thing, you know, music. And James is one of them. He was a cool guy, though. I met him. Have you seen him since? Or did any of these old rock and rollers phone you up at all coming through town? They got short memories, a lot of them, man. They don't remember. Well, they're old fuckers, too, you know. I, I know, uh, like Joe Jackson, J uh, Michael Jackson's brother, uh, father doesn't remember me. I met him one time. He Maybe he doesn't want to remember you. Selective memory. Uh, he's fucking stupid, man. He doesn't remember me. <laughs> he does not. I look him in the eye. He doesn't remember me. It's weird, man. I think he, I don't know, whatever. You know, Jermaine and all the rest, they do, you know, because they were like halfway, they had a half a brain, you know. When did, like, the Vancouver's break up? Was that your last band before movies started? Yeah, I got fired. I, I got fired. I, I had a... I was getting my green card. So I had a Mo, so Motown... I had Motown paying for it. Myself and the bass player. Because I knew how important a green card is, you know, working out in the States. So I, I had a gig. I was backing up... Um, Bobby had left, he went on with Smokey, and the Vancouver's were backing up a girl called Chris Clark, who was, who was Barry Gordy's white girl of the of the Munz Club, you know? And so um, I had to leave town in the middle of the gig to go to do an interview to get my green card, and uh, she fired me for leaving the gig. This is after I told her what I had to do. And so I got fired. So I quit the band and came to Vancouver and started an improv group. Then I met Cheech and... Uh, Had Cheech been in bands before? Yeah. He was, uh, he was Little Caesar in the, in the Chicanos or something, you know. He had a Chicano band, like a Ricky Val Valley kind of 
band. And he also was in Calgary. He sang in a, in a Bragg Creek in a, outside of Calgary. And uh, yeah, he's, he was in a lot of bands. Do you have any Brian Wilson stories? <laughs> the minute we went to, Cheech and I were playing Vegas one time, and we walked in the elevator, and Brian was huddled in the corner. And I don't know how long he'd been, he'd been riding the elevator up and down. I don't know how long. But he's just, he's kind of comatose in the corner. So we never said anything. We just looked over. I was like, Brian. I mean, you want to help him? Nah, what can you do? He's fucked up. Met Ted Nugent one time. That was funny. Just recently, I said, hey, Ted, how are you doing in the elevator? I said, I'm Tommy Chong. And Ted says, no, I'm Ted Nugent. <laughs> and I said, no, Ted, I'm Tommy Chong. He goes, oh, I'm sorry, man, I'm deaf. He's, he's like, he's deaf. He can't hardly hear. How about Elvis? Elvis sent us a Christmas card one time. That's the closest I ever got to Elvis. Why would, like, who would send you Christmas cards? Why? Just celebrities to celebrities or any particular reason? I think Elvis probably got into our movies and, you know, that was his way of saying, you know, hello. That's about all I can think of. How about Margaret Trudeau? No, nothing on Margaret, no. I was I was doing movies then when she was fucking Nick. Did you get to go to the White House and meet Nixon? Close, Any White House. Close I got to the White House. I was in the Swedish embassy with Peter Sellers one night. Peter was going with uh, the daughter of the ambassador. And uh, I had a gig in Washington, and Peter called me up. And he said, uh, he sent me a telegram saying, the uh, Swedish ambassador requests the presence of Sir Ashley Rochecliffe at the residence. And Ashley Rochecliffe was a um, character from, from one of our records. And so uh, I went there, and we had a great time. We played records, got stoned. And kept bringing these bells that the maids would come in, you know. There's a bell there, and it said service, so we'd push it, and a sleepy maid would show up about 10 minutes later. Can I help you? And we'd look around, oh, yeah, get us a beer. And so she'd get us a beer, and then we'd start, we, yeah, we, we had a good time. Because it was, it was legal, because it was on Swedish territory, so we could smoke dope. So, Tommy Chong, how about the Beatles? It's been rumored that John and Paul had some wild escapades in different rooms. Did you ever hear anything about that? I met, I met John and Rod Stewart in a bedroom the same night. It was at a party at Lou Adler's house. And they were in there. I was going to go and find a place to smoke a joint. And they were in there. John was sitting on the floor kind of... In his, he was in his Mei Ling era, you know, the Chinese secretary. And Rod was sitting on the bed. I think he was going, or he just met Britt Eklund at the time. And I come in, I said, hey, how are you doing, guy? Lit up a joint. And they freaked. They were afraid of the immigration. And John wouldn't take a toke, and Rod wouldn't take a toke. So I said, fuck you, smoked it myself. That's the only time I met those guys. Bruno Gerussi? Who's Bruno Gerussi? The Beachcombers. The Canadian superstar. <laughs> Wojak. 
Wojak. Leslie Nielsen. I, I seen Leslie. I rode the plane with Leslie. Just recently. That was a weird feeling, man. It's like being in the plane in the movie. He's sitting in the, you know, it's like air, airplane, you know. So what are you doing now? Trying to get paid. <laughs> By Paul Hughes? Huh? How are you trying to get paid? Well, for the gig. <laughs> That's why the bands are here. They're all trying to get paid. How much does it, if I may dare ask, does it command to get Tommy Chong to come and MC a concert? Not quite two figures. Close, but not, yeah, actually two figures. Never one? Oh, yeah. Like, so are you living here right now? Like, do you go home right now to your house? In Edmonton? Yeah, or do you have anywhere to stay? I don't think so, man. Edmonton? No relatives anywhere? Because you said you're from Edmonton, or you went to school here. Nah, no more relatives anymore. They tore Chinatown down, man. And whatever relative I had, were they were living there. They're gone. Calgary, I got a... I got some nieces. Stompin' Tom Connors. I like him, man. I like his ketchup song. Is that him? Yeah. Pierre Burton. Good writer. Great, great Canadian. He knows more about Canadian bullshit than anybody. All right. Well, anything else you'd like to add to our video documentation of Tommy Chong's evening here at Highwood 1993? Uh, if I don't get paid, I'm going to take a whole lot of martial amps home with me on the plane. All right, Tommy Chong. Do, 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 do. Do, do. And you're still listening to CITR Radio, FM 102, Cable 102, Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. And 20 hours, 20 years. With me, Nardwar, the human serviette. If you have any requests, Nardwar at Nardwar. Dot com. That's N-A-R-D-W-U-A-R dot com. Nardwar at Nardwar.com or call in 604-822-2487. That's 604-U-B-C-C-I-T-R. You just heard an interview from the Highwood Music Festival on August the 20th, 1993 with Tommy Chong. Coming up, you're going to hear an interview that was done with Al the Tongue Goldstein from the turn of the millennium, December 31st, 1999. Again, going through my favorite interviews from pretty much the past 20 years. Well, actually, your favorite interviews, if you care to make your opinion heard. If you don't, no problem. We'll just plow through the list. And if you yourself would like to do some interviews, think about joining CITR Radio. $20 for UBC students, $35 for non-students. And you too can do a radio show. 604-822-2487, UBCCITR. So coming up right now is Al the Tongue Goldstein. I will give a warning. If you're easily offended, please tune out now. Some of the language and themes discussed in this interview here with Al the Tongue Goldstein 
are rather frightening. So, without further ado, here is Al the Tongue Goldstein from December the 31st, 1999. Al the Tongue Goldstein on 20 years, 20 hours of the Nardwar, the Human Serviette Radio Show on CITR, FM 102, Cable 102, Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. Who are you? I'm an imposter. I, 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 I'm really a computer and I'm passing as a human being. I was sent from another galaxy. You are Al the Tongue Goldstein. I am Al the Tongue, America's number one pussy eater. But don't forget, I'm not human, I'm not flesh. So I'm a cannibal, so I can eat pussy for hours. And, no. and I'm very happy there, because I wanted to return to my mother's pussy. And my father kept banging me, saying, stay away from your mom, that's incest. Well, your interest, I guess, in pussy has led CNN right to you. Now, what's the deal on that, Al? Marilyn Starr, who is she? What's the stock market uh, thing? She's of no interest to me. She's a porno actress. She got insider tips. I have no personal relationship, no more than you do. She's one of the many porno actresses I interviewed. I had no knowledge of, the, of, of, of her stock tips, of a boyfriend. I couldn't care less. All she was was a, a warm vagina that I could rest my tongue in. I used her clit as a tongue rester. And this is on the show Midnight Blue. Yes, I, and my website, which I hope you can include in anything you do, called screwmag.com. It's the best porno website in the world. Well, Marilyn Starr is of some interest to me because she's from Canada. Like, she's from Prince George. Everyone's from Canada. You're, you know, you South Park uh, Canadians. I, you know, we really should have declared war on you people. Marilyn Starr has a blow-up doll. Have you ever used a blow-up doll at all, Al? Many times. But I, I, I use a blow-up doll on me because I, I, I'm so much in love with myself that I only fuck me. I'm like Ron Jeremy blowing himself. Now, Al, Hugh Hefner's ex-wife is from Vancouver, B.C. Everyone's, everyone's from Canada. Kim Conrad. Is, every, Trey is. I mean, everyone's from Canada. I just saw Jim Carrey's from Canada. Trey who? Uh, the Trey Parker from South Park. And Kim Conrad. Have you ever run into her at all? Of course, yeah. Kimberly, yeah. Yeah, she's a cunt. Well, tell me a bit about the half. Tell me a bit about the half. Well, there's not much to tell you. I was friends with him for 25 years. He was the most self-involved person I've ever known. He never really spoke to me. I went there. Uh, and then one time I asked if I could bring my son over to movie night. He said no, and I stopped going. Where did you I, Where did you initially meet him, Al? Uh, he called for me because he was very impressed with Screws. I flew to Chicago. And what year was that? Um, well, I was the Playboy interview lead in interview in 74. He met me in, in 69, the end of 69. He couldn't believe that uh, Screw came out every week. It was such an honest paper. If you want to get to Hugh Hefner, what does it take? Like, how did he get to you? What impressed him? Like, if you, if somebody wants to get to Hugh Hefner, what does he want? What does Hugh Hefner want, Al Goldstein? Same, you just be a celebrity. Uh, he wants to rub against you. If you're a 19-year-old and you're pretty, he wants your pussy. But if you're famous, he, uh, he likes to hang out with famous people. I mean, Hefner, you got to give him credit. He, he, he did change publishing in 1952. Now, Al Goldstein, have you ever masturbated to Playboy? Uh, you can't masturbate to Playboy. There's no pussy. I masturbate to Penthouse. Hustler isn't dirty enough, and screw the girls are too ugly. 
Exactly. And also the pictures in Screw. Oh, with the tabloid, you know, it's pathetic. That's from your magazine. You've reused them a few times, haven't you? Uh, a few, like 80 times. <laughs> I bought them originally uh, in 1969 for $2 a, sh a photo. I've run them 50 to 100 times, so I've amortized the cost to two cents a run. Has anybody ever noticed that? Yeah, people complain all the time. I tell them, fuck you. What? You know, buy a penthouse. Now, one other person from Vancouver is Wade Neff. Wade Neff, a gay porn star. Colt Magazine cover boy. Yeah. Colt Magazine. Yeah, you're really obsessed with Canada, aren't you? You're a second-rate country. You have no First Amendment rights. Uh, you can't do hate literature. I mean, you're a country of no consequence. Have you been That's to... Va all your best people leave. Have you been to Vancouver at all, Al Goldstein? No, I would, because I know you're the, you know, you're gonna, you have a bulldog place there, and you're going to be the next place opening up drugs. Hey, I'll get nice things. Why don't you guys buy me a plane ticket? I'll come over. No, Al Goldstein, Dorsey Stratton was from Vancouver. Dorsey uh, Stratton. Yeah, but have you noticed no one stays there? Everyone leaves. No, come on. There's one person you're very impressed about, Al Goldstein, yes. from Vancouver. Yvonne DiCarlo of the Munsters. Of the Munsters is from Vancouver. I'm impressed with nobody, young man. Yvonne DiCarlo? At my age, nothing impresses me. Not you, not me, nothing. But, but Al Goldstein... I'm just a pornographer trying to make his way through life. But Al Goldstein, Grandpa Al Munster Lewis. He, he's a friend. He's a, but he wasn't born in Canada. No, but he's connected to Yvonne DiCarlo, like Grandpa Munster. How long has Al Lewis been into porn, Al Goldstein? Uh, I don't know. You have to call Al Lewis. When did, when did you first meet him? I met him about 25 years ago when I was being sentenced. He wrote a letter to the judge saying I was a good American. And the Canadian border also won't let issues of screw into Canada. The fucking border is useful. You, 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 you really sure are useful. I, I did about... 40 college dates about 12 years ago in Canada, and I was picketed by the retarded feminists. You are a country with no First Amendment rights. You're a country that censors uh, hate literature, which I favor. I love reading Nazi stuff. That's what I jerk off to. You are a country that doesn't let penthouse come in with its S&M material. You're basically the Poland of, of 2000. I mean, you're like a satellite country from Russia. And you are Al Goldstein, but we did have Marilyn Starr, and she's from Prince George. He left, though. You had to. You gave birth to him. What's that mean? Well, who's your next-door neighbor, Al Goldstein? Anna Kurnikova? Um, uh, I, I, I hope Donald Trump. I don't, I don't talk to my neighbors. I don't talk to anybody. I don't even want to talk to you guys. You sound so boring. Not even in Miami? Canadian. And I, I, I eat. I, I go. I have an early bird special, and I go home. Well, Al like Go... the History Channel. That's what I do. Al Goldstein, what makes you tick? You're a fucking degenerate. I am. What makes me tick is the next pussy I'm going to lick and the next pastrami sandwich I'm going to eat. The future makes me tick. Al Goldstein, describe Screw a bit, like it's a the weekly mad, magazine. The mad comics are the bedroom. We make fun of sex. We hold nothing sacred. Not you, not Canadians, not Christ. In fact, if Christ were around, I'd probably fuck him in, in, in the holes in his hand. We, we are totally guilty of heresy and sacrilege, and nothing is serious. We make fun. We enjoy. We're, we're, athe we're, we're an atheist publication. We've been around 31 years, almost 1,600 issues. We must be doing something right, correct? It's newsprint. It comes out every week. Newsprint. It comes out, it comes out every week, and it comes out every week on your hand. A newsprint. Now, the first magazine to ever show gay sex, was that not Screw Magazine, Al Goldstein? Magazine, issue one, we had a gay column, November 4th, 1968. And he also showed gay sex for the very first you know, time. absolutely. We don't care. Fag, straight, Jew, kite, nigger. We show anything. We were, my, some of my best friends 
man to say, I, I've sucked dick. So, you know, it takes a real man to suck cock. What words did you pioneer, Al Goldstein? Like, what words did you pioneer with Screw Magazine that had never been published before? Probably none. Uh, probably, uh, probably... Rosie, which is a combination of a pussy and pastrami. Really? We really don't. I, you know, we uh, we just use the words that the man in the street used, but uh, our Playboy would not use. Don't forget, I was six years ahead of Hustler. Larry stole this whole format from me, and he admits it. Al Goldstein, a recent issue of Screw Magazine had why straight men like chicks with dicks. That's right. I remember that. Yeah. What is the TV guide in Screw Magazine? Well, it's best because men are bored, and, and, and a lot of men are are, are, are latent homosexuals. A lot of men uh, are late, are afraid to admit they want to suck cock. So if they suck a dick attached to somebody to a body with tits, they figure that they're not gay. We're all bisexual. And most of your ads are transvestite ads and screw, yeah, aren't they? Yeah, we we're the official newspaper of the transvestite world. The yellow pages of porn. But that's what we are. Now the hookers come right into the office and take that's ads. Wednesdays, Wednesdays they place the ads. They come in the office. Have you ever seen who buys? Screw Al Goldstein. Like, have you ever hit? Have you ever hit on a corner and like looked out and just you know watched the people buy it? No, would you believe it? The straightest people in the world, lawyers, doctors, very straight people, conservative people. Because you have to have a sense of humor. Also, you, a lot of people buy the paper to book a hooker. And your market really is straight, middle-aged men, right? Uh, yes. Yeah, but young kids like us too because of our irreverence. Irreverence, a good word. Straight, middle-aged men getting transvestites. That's the main purpose That's of Screw. The main purpose of Screw is to keep me rich. I have four homes to keep me in money, pastrami, pickles, and pussy. Now, Al Goldstein, finding a copy of Screw for a prepubescent boy probably isn't as exciting as finding a copy of Penthouse, is it? Well, no. Because there's, there's no I'm full... I'm not a prepubescent boy. Well, not, you know, it's not but full... Yeah, you have to... Uh, screw is for sale for consenting adults. We don't sell to kids. Now, I first heard of you, Al, through the famous Go-Go's video. What is in it? What exactly is the Go-Go's video Al Goldstein. It shows the girls doing coke. And how buy it? Why do you buy it, you cheap fuck? Well, I'm hoping I, I was going to get a. I was hoping I'd get a promo copy from well, you, Al Goldstein. Let's see, let's see how the piece runs. If you, if you treat me nice and like a god, uh, you know, you make it freebies. No, Al Goldstein. What are the other videos that you hawk? Just the Go Go's one. What? Well, the, the new one we do is Hot Wheels and High Heels. I just shot that 12 weeks ago, where I've been nominated as the best pussy eater for, for a film. It's got Ron Jeremy. It's got me, Gloria Leonard. High Heels and Hot Wheels. It's subtitled with a lipstick meets the dipstick. Now, Al Goldstein of Screw Magazine, what about the other celebrity vids? I'm more curious, like, you know, the Go-Go's one, that's always fascinated me. The Rob Lowe one, the yeah, Chuck... Chuck Berry, Chuck Berry, uh, kisses on a girl, and then she wants to kiss him, he says, I can't kiss you, you smell from urine. Now, is that really Chuck Berry? Yes, it is. Has there been any fallout from that at all? No, he's proud, he's a big dick. He's a black man with a big cock. How can he be, can he be unhappy? Now, Al Goldstein of Screw Magazine, how did you initially get into smut? Okay, I'm going to ask you to, to get my press material. It's a boring question. I'm not going to touch. You know, you, you, should, you should get a press release. You could look at it. I'm not going to answer questions I've answered 4,000 times over 31 years. Well, I guess I was just curious about no, your well, preoccupation no, of that no, at that time, Al Goldstein. No, like, which magazines no, 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 you were enjoyed in? No, no, no. You listen to me. I need you. Did you did you get a press kit for my office? Yes, I did. Okay. I got a full okay. press kit, and I understand yeah. Al Goldstein. What I was curious about is what magazines were there before Screw? None. There was Playboy which didn't show uh, pubic hair, Pentaf was in 
England uh, hadn't come to America yet, and Hustler hadn't been stolen yet from me. So. What about like Sir Magazine? Cause it was That's like what it is. Oh, you would jerk, I would jerk off to uh, uh, Betty Page and stuff like that. There was nothing. There was no porno industry. The only nudity I'd see on Times Square or, or 8th Avenue would be uh, uh, guys going to see nudie films, volleyball and stuff like that. But that whole underground New York smut scene of the 60s seemed pretty fascinating. Like some of those magazines are pretty vintage looking and smelly, almost up there with Screw. Of course, not with Screw. No, I, I, I don't think there was anything like Screw, frankly. Uh, what are you talking about, Rat, Evo? I mean... Uh, yeah, I'm curious about those names that are out there. I don't, I've only seen a few of them, like Sir Mag, Sir. Yeah, but they didn't show people cares. They didn't use four-letter words, and they didn't talk about editorial. But they still had some neat angles to them. So for you, it's a good thing for you. Well, you did work with Walter Winchell. They'll tell a bit about that. I did. I worked in a radio car with him. I worked for the New York Daily Mirror as a photographer. And we would ride around with Winchell. Uh, Winchell always had a bimbo with him, and that was exciting. Have, did you ever meet Betty Page? You said you whacked off to her. I, I, I whacked off. Uh, have to met her. I, I never did. How about Jean Mansfield, Al Goldstein? I photographed her, actually. She was she was Miss Skating Rink. This was uh, 10 years before Screw started. I, I, I did meet her. Now, did those photos ever get published? Oh, yeah, at, uh, uh, for the New York Daily Mirror. They probably, but they, they were not nudes or anything. They were just pictures of her winning some award. Have you ever thought of putting those out in a book? Or have those been in Screw Magazine ever? What, which one? The Gene Mansfield pics that you've got. I have no idea. I don't own them. I was just a photographer. How about Edie Sedwich? I don't know anybody. I don't really want to play the game because I, I don't know anybody. Mario Cuomo. Well, I had lunch with Mario. What about that? Just curious about Mario Cuomo. What's your, what's your question? I, I, I... Well, in Canada, there are some gas stations, Al Goldstein, called Domo. And I have a song called Mario Cuomo Works at Domo. And I guess I was just curious about his relationship. Sounds like it was an instant success, right? Oh, it, it really. Ar it pumped Ar love. It was a real hit. Uh, Nardwar or Aardvark. Whatever you'd like to call it there, Ar Al Goldstein of Screw Ar Magazine. Ar and we're speaking here to Al Goldstein of Screw Magazine. Yes, and this is your opinion. Like, those are your words. These are your words. Oh, just someone else's words, Aardvark. You really? Ar I know it's Canada. Do you know who killed Kennedy at all, Al Goldstein? Uh, I did. I was there. Um, I, I, I was fucking Jacqueline Kennedy, and then he got jealous. He told me to stay away, and so I had to kill the fuck. Now, Al Goldstein, the millennium issue of Screw is going to be a century of smut. Yeah, I want to get it. It's, a, it's out now. George Michael? Heidi Fleiss? We have the issue. Gee, of course, George Michael. He's a wonderful guy. He sucks dick. Don't make him a bad guy, does it? You suck cock, don't you? If I was a woman, would you be addressing me in the same way, Al Goldstein? I'm a cleaner. I'd, I'd say, may I pretty please fuck you with the ass. Oh, thank you very much, Al Goldstein. I'm a gentleman. No, teach me, Al. Teach me, Al. I bought that cost money. Were you in the morgue with Marilyn Monroe, you know, when she was screwed by 12 guys? I heard she was in the morgue and she was fucked by 12 guys, Al Goldstein. And? Just wondering, is that true? Just I wondering. Would, no, I, would you believe it? I wasn't invited. Had you heard any rumors of this? No, I haven't, but in Canada, everything's a hot rumor. Baboom! And this is Al Goldstein of Screw Magazine. What a pathetic country. What, what, what happened? What, what, what happened, Al Goldstein, in Wichita? Wichita. To try, it was a trial. You can read about it. I'm not going to... I was invited by our boy Nixon. Could have gotten 60 years. lasted three years. I won. It cost me $4 million. The rest is history. Have you sent any money to other people having persecutions? Like I, that? I, I sent nobody anything. I fucked them. I gave Abby Hoffman $1,000. I don't get... No, nobody helped me. I don't help them. What about the guy Mike Diana, who was that cartoonist from Florida who got nailed for a 
obscene comics. I'd interview him. I think it's a, it's a bummer, but I'm, I don't send people money. In 1989, you won the Hal Freeman Freedom Isn't Free Award. What the hell is that, Al Goldstein? It's from the adult video news. It's uh, the porno industry, and obviously I was the person who created the porno industry, so I should get an award. Who is Hal Freeman? He went to jail for uh, obscenity, and then ultimately the Supreme Court ruled in his favor. Now, Al Goldstein, you're suing AT&T. Because they're a company that's a piece of shit. They're so bad, they're probably a Canadian company. Now, Al Goldstein, you're also suing Conan O'Brien. Yes, because he didn't pay me for my appearance. You were on his show. Yes. Why would he not want to pay you? I mean, you deliver the goods, Al Goldstein. You are always showing up. Yeah, it's not him personally. It's NBC. NBC obviously is having money problems. They're refrigerator, which owns uh, NBC, got a bad review in Consumer Reports, so they're probably having cash flow problems, and they owe me $560. So they did not pay you for your well, appearance? They, they sent a check. I never got it. Now, being in the magazine business for 30 years, Al Goldstein, what tricks have you learned? Like, what tricks have you learned doing Screw Magazine, Al Goldstein? None. How do we know that some of the she-mails ain't photoshopped? Like, are they real? Are you... Well, you don't know, and I couldn't give a shit if you if you found out or didn't find out. You realize you're a foreign country. I couldn't care less about you. Now, Al Goldstein, are Krispy Kreme donuts your favorite food? Yes, yeah, I, I, I'd rather eat them than pussy. And I bet you they were not in Canada because you are a, a, a fifth world nation. Baboom! Now, Al Goldstein, as you are progressing, getting older, etc., I mean, eventually, I guess you will reach 100, have you thought that you're going to go full out on the Krispy Kreme donuts? Like, this, that's it? Yeah, yeah I'm going to be buried in Krispy Kreme. They're going to make some very oversized Krispy Kremes, and uh, I'm going to be buried not in a coffin, but uh, with Krispy Kreme. So the rodents and the bacteria that eat me will really have a treat. They'll have my flesh, my intestines, and they'll have wonderful sugar-saturated donuts. Now, Al Goldstein of Screw Magazine, how much weight did you lose in the Atkins diet? Like, the Atkins diet is some sort of plan. Every diet works. I win, I lose. I, I lose 100, I gain 100. Al Goldstein, is it true you had an affair with Miami radio personality Neil Rogers? Neil Rogers and I blow each other all the time. Neil's my favorite piece of ass. I love Neil. He tastes good. I come in his mouth. He, he tremors. Uh, he's so he's very affectionate. And Neil is openly gay, isn't he? He's a total faggot. And you've been on his radio show quite a few right. times. And the best thing, the only thing wrong with Neil is when I come in his mouth, which I do whenever he blows me, is he wants to, is he wants to kiss me after, and I don't want to taste my own sperm. And these are the opinions of Al Goldstein, and Art only Art Al Art. Goldstein from Screw Magazine. Art Block, I thank you very much. Have your retarded audience, all of six of them, uh, visit ScrewMag.com for a good porno site, so this won't be as big a waste as it appears to be. Well, Al Goldstein, actually, a few more questions here. Three, I, three more questions, Arthur. Only three more questions? I'm bored. Well, come on, can I just oh, run? No, 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 it's a pathetic thing. Go ahead, you got three more questions. No, no, just, let me just, let me, oh, please. Third question. Come on, Al. Go ahead, Oddbuck. Come on, Al. Come on. on. you got to send me naked photos. you got to promise me a blowjob. i got to get some Canadian pussy. I'm doing this for free. No. Oh, That's come on, Al Goldstein. No, I'm paying for this call. I'm yes. paying for the call. I'm doing this for free. Project Call Collectors Canada. Go ahead. Your first question. Well, um, winding up here with Al Goldstein, although I don't really want to wind up with Al Goldstein. Life is Too much, Al Goldstein. Oddbuck, life is cruel. Good. What do you mean it's cruel? Next question. Okay, why don't we just have you do random comments? That's just not questions. Isn't it? Send me some pussy from Canada. Send me some damsel. Okay, Al, 
Al Goldstein, did you did, did you ever did you ever hang out at Plato's Retreat, that famous orgy club in the six? There was some sort of um, bet that you had, didn't you, with Larry Levinson? Uh, Larry Levinson, he uh, he's an old fat Jew who died a year ago because uh, he was so fat, fatter than me. And uh, uh, he, the bet was, he said he can come 16 times in 12 hours. And he, I heard it was 15 times. Something like that. I lost count. I lost count counting when you're shooting loads. But anyway, he won the bet. I lost $8,000. And according to the book, yeah, Tales of Times Square, Levinson won, and you had to eat crow? I know, I ate 8000 I lost $8,000. Now, out of all your years of... I never actually uh, licked a crow. I don't know if it tastes like pussy. I would lick a salmon, because it's fishy. But go ahead, next question. Now, of all your years spurting, could you spurt and fill up a swimming pool? Do you think of all your years spurting and coming? Yes. Would it fill up a swimming pool? Yes, and you would be the happiest uh, person in the world. It's good for your complexion. Do you have any more instructional porno videos coming out at all? No. Well, yes, Rob Jeremy and I have a film on how to eat pussy, which you can buy from uh, Screw. You have the address for on it. Here's the deal I make you. Run some ads on my website. I'm serious about it. On what? Run some ads on what? Well, you got a, what, do you have a newspaper or a radio show? I have uh, both, actually, and both are done for free, Al. But uh, uh, speaking of Ron Jeremy, uh, speaking of Ron Jeremy, Al Goldstein, he said in an interview with Annabelle Chong that was some sort of thing that he had mastered the art. Actually, Annabelle Chong had said in an interview with Ron Jeremy that a Ron Jeremy had mastered the art of screwing with a soft cock. Yeah. Have you ever screwed with a soft cock? Has Ron mastered the art of screwing with a soft cock? All I have is a soft cock on cock. Uh, even, even Viagra. I taped the Viagra on my dick. I'm still soft. Here's the deal to you. Right now, because um, I'm a Jew, you, I want to see... Do gay men have larger cocks? I'm going to hang up on you in a moment. Here's no, come on, Al, please. No, 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 I won't. You've got to listen. This is going to be hard. Please, Al, come on. Please, don't hang up. You got me on the phone. Come on, please. Oh, please. Bye. Please, Al. Please. Please. Just a moment, please. Oddbox, listen to me. Canada calling. Yeah, okay. Canada calling. Okay, go ahead, yes. Now, I want you to listen. Okay. Because I, I, I'm not into bullshit. Right now, you're a, you're a worthless, rather pathetic interviewer. Baboom. Number, yeah, okay. But number two, uh, you do some stuff for me, because that's life. Uh, you, you couldn't talk to Hefner. You couldn't talk to Flint. You, you couldn't talk to Guccione. They would not give you the time of day. I didn't want to talk to them. I yeah, talk to okay, I try to be a gentleman. Now, you do something where, I, where you either run my website and some of your print stuff, and you do for me where I feel I'm getting something out of it because I'm getting shit out of this. How and do you I know you're not no, doing No, 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 no. All you can do is listen. It's not a negotiation. Okay. This is what I want. You be valuable to me over the next six weeks. Send me the copies of, of, of some of stuff. Some inconsequential thing. Plug, will you plug my website or run, and or run Screw's address and I'll talk to you. Life is, is a bitch. 
I pay for my lawyers for my shrink. Nothing is free. I don't know you from a hole in the wall. I fuck Canada. When you, uh, no, you, can you, I no, say no, something? No, 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 you can't say a thing. You, I'm not interested in words. You send me stuff pushing my website. Okay. And if I get it in six weeks or eight weeks, if I, if I, if I think I've gotten something out of, out of this conversation, we'll go for another 12 minutes. Uh, now I'm going to say the words you have. No, no, can I say please, one thing, thing to you? You can't say a fucking thing. Do, come on, do 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 Can I at least no, go do 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 Can I at least go do 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 Please, Al, do 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 Hello, Al Goldstein. Hi, is Al there? Who's this? This is Nardwar. And where are you from? I am from Vancouver. Okay, um, let me take a message because he's busy right now. Oh. Okay, um, you're the one that's doing the interview? Uh, actually, I need to get Al's address and also just needed him to do one quick station ID. That's all we need right now. Uh, okay, um... We need to get his address so we can do the free ads for him. Oh. Free ads? Yeah, okay. He needs an address to send some publications. Hold on here. Yeah, hello? Hello. Yes, hi. Uh, yeah, you need to show us how you're promoting Al's website. Uh, are you a print publication or a um, radio show? Uh, we're print and radio. But what's the address that you would first send something to? Well, the best thing is to send it to New York. Right. Okay. And one last thing. There is one little request here. Just as we're just finished this interview with Al, we just need Al to, to say one little thing. This is we're finishing this interview. And this was wondering if for our little Christmas wish, or sorry, at New Year's wish, we could just get Al to go do-do. I think his temper is at its uh, end. Oh, really? Because like, all we have is like, every time we do an interview, we go do, 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 and then he just has to go do, do, and that ends the interview. Does and it have to be him, or can I do it? I guess, well, it would be great to be him. Like, uh, all you have to do is, like, you would just have to put the phone to his head, and all he has to go is do, do. I that know, but you know what? He's at the end of his rope. Where are you out of? We're out of Vancouver. Okay. Um, all he has to go is, like, do, do. Like, I know, but you know, he's not about to do it. So why don't you have one of your people do it and say it's him? He went. He went. Just go do do. No, no, he won't. Not even just because no. if we send him free no. stuff. Like, <laughs> no. Like not even for, are you gonna? What are you gonna do for him? Like what are we gonna do for him? We're gonna publish the interview. We're gonna put on the website, pump him, lots of stuff. Like and this is just we're gonna mail him all this stuff. We had like a ten-page interview here all for him, and we haven't been able to get through any of it. And we just wanted to go do do to end this section so we can put it up on the website because that would really be good and in a magazine to look like the interview ended we could splice it together it would okay, sound what good what you need to do is send him your stuff okay. but all we have to okay that's what we're going to do so forget it what i'm telling you is use your head okay you don't sound like a stupid person have someone else go do do and say it's out but the thing is we want al to do it and it's just be so simple all you have to do is i like, know but he's not going to but the thing is, he could just 
not run? going to. No. Not even as like. No, it's a matter of principle. You you pissed him off. He's not doing it. So if you want a do do, have one of your people do a do do. Okay? But wouldn't that be cheating? Like that's not yeah, out. That'll be cheating. All that's right. It'll be cheating. So. Okay. Okay. I agree with you. All now, right, could so you cheat, could okay? you do one thing for me though? Could you at least ask Al if it's no, all right? No, I'm not doing. If, yeah. Would yeah, he be mad? It's that, all right. He won't be mad. Would he be mad that I'm impersonating him? No. No. You go ahead and impersonate him and do your do do. Okay. He will not be mad. You promise? Well, I promise. He won't. Just. Would you know what the website? Our website address is. www.screw.com. No, it's not. Okay, it's not. It's screwmag.com. Oh, screwmag. Okay. Okay, so why don't you get that right? So and I'd like to have a link to that website on your website. And then Al will go do-do? Like, how can we get, and then, we'll, then if we do all that stuff, will Al go do-do-do-do, and then we'll, he'll be able to go do-do? Yeah, if you leave a link on your website to screwmag.com on for one month, he will go do-do-do, okay? Actually, it's just do-do. Do-do. He'll do whatever do-do you want. Right. Really? And he won't be mad about us faking it this time? Right. You fake it this time. You give him some uh, traffic to his website, and we'll talk some more. Okay. Well, thanks very much. Thank and you. Do-do-do-do-do. And do-do-do-do-do to you. Actually, do-do-do-do-do. Do-do. Great. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. And you're still listening to CITR Radio, FM 102, Cable 102, Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, and the Nardwar, the Human Serviette Radio Show. You just heard an interview with Al Goldstein from December 31st, 1999. All part of 20 years of the Nardwar, the Human Serviette Radio Show. October 1987 to October 2007. 20 years of the Nardwarta Human Serviette Radio Show, 20 hours. We started yesterday at 9 p.m., Thursday night, 9 p.m., and we're going till today, 5 p.m., Friday, 20 hours of the Nardwar, the Human Serviette Radio Show on CITR FM 102, Cable 102, Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. Listening to CITR Radio, FM 102, Cable 102, Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, and the Nardwar to Human Serviette Radio Show. And who do we have? In the studio today, Ron Moreau, singer from Cats Game, active glands, and resident lunatic, I guess. And Ron, who have you brought along with you on the phone here today? We are talking to Milton William Cooper. He's at home there in the United States of America. He is a, I don't know, conspiracy theorist. He's on the air five nights a week on WWCR Worldwide Christian Radio Shortwave 7.435 kilohertz. From 9 until 10 p.m. Pacific time, and I don't know, I went out and bought a shortwave radio just to listen to him, and as it turns out, he is being jammed at certain times, and I'm annoyed, so now we have him on the air for my own personal 
So <laughs> revenge. <laughs> so Bill, are you there? Yes, I'm here. So who are you? First off, for the listeners out there in Radio Land. Well, uh, I'm just an ordinary, average guy like everybody else. But many years ago, I spent uh, some time in the service of my country and was trained and indoctrinated into the Office of Naval Intelligence, where I spent uh, several years as um, um, an intelligence operative. And uh, there I saw an awful lot of documentation that just told me that the world is not what the average person thinks it is. In fact, everybody out there is living in fantasy land and are very seldom ever told the real truth behind the scenes. And uh, I decided I didn't want anything to do with uh, that kind of deception, so I left the uh, service about uh, five years before I could have retired very comfortably upon everybody's tax dollars. And I've been researching uh, the meaning of all of the documentation that I saw and everything that I learned while I was in naval intelligence for the last 20-some-odd years, and the results are just absolutely amazing. One of the results that you've been studying is the Kennedy assassination. That's correct. You believe, or you have proof, that the driver of the limousine that Kennedy was in killed Kennedy, in fact. No. What I saw is in documentation, a top-secret document under a an operation called Operation Majority, that the driver had killed President Kennedy. And that the act was plainly visible in a film that was withheld from the public. It described the weapon that was used and uh, 